Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where each week we explore the world of hospitality by chatting with its most colorful characters. What's going on, Tim? Hello, Danny. Good to see you. Nice to see you as well, especially in the studio. Yeah, and I have a great story for you that I thought was uh, befitting of a Jeff Donahue intro. I <laughs> can't wait. What have you, you got? Because certain people, you know, they've got the sense of humor. They're more relaxed. And I know Jeff can handle this one. So I'm going to launch right in. <laughs> Jeff can stomach this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. What do you got? That's a great, great, uh, great foreshadowing. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to hear why. Um, yeah. So we basically, we were trying to determine what to do for Arthur's sixth birthday party. And at his school, you basically have to invite every other kid. So oh, God, to do a party. that's a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. Oh. It's like mandatory to include everyone. Um, and we've been to a lot of parties thus far, and we didn't want to repeat something that someone had already done. And Arthur's very much into magic, so we had the idea to do something with a magician. And Ellie found this place in Boys Town where this magician, he's great, um, does a show he has his own space his own theater etc um it's like an intimate space pretty cool and ellie had seen the set once and it was it it was a show for adults that night and ellie loved it and was like hey do you think you could kind of like tailor the set to more of like a kid's crowd and he's like yeah i've done kids parties before it's all good i have questions about that but i'll hold them for after yeah so uh eventually we get everyone gathered for the party at his space in boys town and uh, we're at the theater and the theater's kind of in two. So the theater's in one side of the room and then the other side is like a lounge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, uh, there's not enough seats really for everyone and their parents. So basically the theater's like all the kids and the parents are kind of on the other side. And there are some parents sprinkled into the audience of the actual show. Okay. So I spend most of the time, you know, schmoozing with parents, whatever, having LaCroix catching up. And then I guess like halfway through the show or maybe three quarters of the way through the show, I'm, I decide to like go, you know, see what all the fuss the, is yeah, about. See what all the fuss is yeah. about. Join are you, the show, and are you, can you hear what's going on? Yeah. You can kind of hear, and you can kind of see through like the parents are like peeking okay. in at kind of the set a little bit. So you're hearing a lot of oohs and ahs. Yeah. The kids are loving it. Okay. And, uh, so I sit next to Ellie in the back row and the magician starts this kind of balloon animal set. And the first thing he does is he blows up a balloon animal that he calls a snake. And it's basically just like a four foot long balloon. So it's just a, just a balloon. No, no folds, narrow cylindrical balloon. Okay. (laughs) And he does, he proceeds to do this bit where he swallows the balloon inch by inch, uh, (laughs) with painstaking expressions on his face. Okay. And he's just like each, you know, for each inch that it goes deeper, deeper, he's like really exaggerating, like how much physical anguish it's causing him. And I'm like squeezing Ellie's thigh as this is happening because to us, of course, the adults, it's like he's deep throating this balloon uh, yeah. for comic effect. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that term, but I, I think I see what you're going yeah, for. Exactly. And, um, can't make me laugh. Um, so <laughs> how long does this go on? Did he take the whole thing down? He four, did. four feet of balloon. Yeah. I mean, it was a significant, is it an illusion or do you think that he's like I actually mean, swallowing a balloon? A magician never tells. Everyone was trying to speculate afterwards, but of course in my head, I'm thinking like how many angry texts are we going to get from these parents? No, I mean, I think yes. A that's really funny, especially if the guy's playing it up and he's probably I was make, dying. He's probably making a joke for the parents, right? Maybe. I mean, it's a good question. The parents were like, well, you know. here's, here's how you tell. Ellie went, you said Ellie went to the 
adult version. I know. Did she see that? Did bit? she see the and bit? She must and was have, it I mean, contextualized differently? She never mentioned it. I mean, we've talked a lot about. But it here's since. another question: Would that joke In go therapy. over Ellie's head? Uh, no, she would, <laughs> no, she would definitely <laughs> understand. Okay, because <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of genius because it's like the kids are wowed and the parents are like, "This is absurdly." weird and yeah potentially funny no the you know what's the funny part is that the parents are more concerned that the kids would try to replicate the trick with balloons at home and oh I was yeah like, i didn't even oh, think of the safety yeah, I didn't, factor i didn't think about that at all of course no my, do not try this my at mind home. in the gutter was thinking about something else yeah your mind exists in your mind is a gutter i think <laughs> right 100 <laughs> percent um but yeah i just very interesting a little funny story leading into jeff's episode. yeah well, speaking of deep throating balloons that's a perfect segue <laughs> for this week's guest personal uh, friend of both mine and danny's well our guest <laughs> also has a couple of young children so he'll eventually be navigating this uh, children's birthday yeah. situation actually real quick on the topic of kids birthdays if you're going if everybody in the class has to be invited yeah. to these parties how many kids are in the class uh there's like 20 ish 20. 20 something so that means your kid is going to go to 19 birthday well, parties yeah and honestly the workaround is that you don't have to throw a party for your kid but yes. if you do throw a party for your kid and any other kid is invited it has to be the whole class yeah but if you just like take your kid to the dells let's say you don't that's do what i would be doing and yeah. i'd be eating a dish nala. <laughs> yeah i really wanted to do the dells for arthur but ellie is so reluctant. Well, the problem with that is Arthur's birthday is in November, and uh, Ishnala isn't it all? Oh, Ishnala closes in October. Oh, it's that, a seasonal restaurant. That is a bummer. But isn't the Dells all indoors? I don't know. I've never been. Yeah, I've never been. Um, and I don't care to go. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, neither Sorry. does Ellie. Yeah. Um, and it's like it's, you have to spend the night. It's far enough that you don't want to drive. It's three yeah. hours, so you gotta. We make just it lost the Dells as a sponsor, <laughs> but we still got Ishnala. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, no, wait. And I had one more question. Is so. Are gifts expected, or do you guys have like a no gift policy? Because then I mean, you're we buying have twenty a no, gifts, right? I think we don't mind buying the gifts for other people, but it's more like if you get—I mean, for this birthday, you end up with so many plastic disposable gifts, mm -hmm. and it's just like a bummer. Yeah, because people spend money on it. Now, I—I've—I like, didn't give Arthur a birthday present this year. I'm bad at giving gifts to kids, but I have given Arthur gifts in the past. Very good gifts. One of them, have. well, I gave him a leather motorcycle jacket a when watch. he was very tiny. And I a gave watch. him a uh, a children's version of a Cartier tank watch, which I thought was a very funny gift for a kid. And I'm a little disappointed that he doesn't rock the watch. Every day. No, he, he doesn't. Needs, I've no, never seen him wear worn that it thing. Before, for Has sure. he? Yeah. As decoration? Can you tell time on one of those clocks yet? Uh, that's a good question. He's probably close. Do kids still learn that or is that outdated? Well, like, they're still cursive? learning like precursive, which I think is wild. Precursive? I didn't know that exactly. I had no idea what precursive was, and now we're on a little it's bit just of a tangent. Normal but script? it's like it's like the cursive letters, but not connected. Oh, but not the cursive letters as we know them. It's like a weird kind of mix between print writing and cursive. That's like a transition from print writing to cursive. But it will eventually lead to cursive. I guess so. Yeah. Or else, why are they teaching? Now, it? listeners may know that Danny's mother-in-law was my third-grade teacher. Mm -hmm. And she didn't teach me cursive, but I did know cursive by that time. I learned still it. Still hold it against her. I do. Every time I see Nancy, I'm like, my cursive isn't where it should be. But I did learn that. at I went to a, a Catholic school for first grade, and I think we were doing, like, the individual letters. They had, like, the tracing paper. Okay. So maybe there is a such You go, thing like, letter to letter, and then you, I like, kind of remember that, too, them. but this precursive looks different from what I remember. Yeah. There are a few letters that still trip me up, like. Z's? 
Z's don't make sense to me. No. Um, I'm, I'm, I have nice penmanship yeah, um, you do. for a fella. And, uh, and it's funny. I have nice penmanship. Typically, I think that women have better handwriting than men. And I have nice handwriting. And I've never dated somebody with nice handwriting. <laughs> I think they're throwing my... shade at all of your current all your my current cur- girlfriends. All your current girlfriends and exes. No, I mean, Shannon will have me write birthday cards and stuff like that. Yeah. Jim. Maybe my, she's pretending to have bad handwriting so he'll do the work. That could be. Jim, my business partner, has atrocious handwriting, but he's aware of it. So I, I usually write stuff for him. I, I would bet Aaron does. She's artistic. She seems pretty coordinated. Aaron yeah. is Jim's wife. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so now now <laughs> is the real time to get into Jeff. Yeah. Um. Jeff's somewhat of an artist himself. Jeff He's surprised a- me. I I mean, I've known Jeff since, I guess we probably met when Sporties opened, maybe a little before, but like, he's been a homie for a long time and I had no idea the, you know, the number of like, very good places he's worked. Yeah. He has an extremely lengthy and impressive resume. For sure, we're like one of the most well-rounded beverage professionals that we've had on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is just always great to catch up with Jeff and hear what's going on, uh, learn about you know, his own projects, Heisler stuff, pick his brain. Yeah. Get some insights, yeah. learn about the history of cocktails, the cocktail movement in Chicago. Yeah. He was really there in the thick of it for sure. And before it, like at Nacional and all that stuff. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Let's get on with it. Without further ado, please enjoy our conversation with Jeff Donahue. This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Host Ready to Drink Premium Bottled Cocktails. Choose from Old Fashioned, Martini, and coming soon, a Manhattan. For more information, go to Host, that's H-O-S-T-E, cocktails.com, connect with quality. Live in the studio, brand new studio. We're a little nervous about the sound. Yep, there are some people underneath us who may or may not be making noise. Yes, and they are not average volume speakers as far as i can tell love that high tone jeff how you doing i'm great well i'm, I'm none the wiser so this seems great to me yeah it's yeah. a much yeah. prettier setup that's for sure it's a much bigger room too is it, it might it could sound like we're recording in a gymnasium it's <laughs> basketballs dribbling in the background we did talk about recording at the united center <laughs> yeah cool. yeah we might do it you know coming your way soon halftime show okay, that's great yeah, yeah. maybe do an all-star yeah, of the podcast. Interesting. Oh, that would be great. Now, you've worked at the United Center. I actually did not. Oh. Um, Heisler did a project there, um, but I was not as closely working at that point with that side of it. Is that still going on? Um, I, I believe Queenie's is yeah, still, still there, there, but yeah. it was kind of more just a licensing deal that yeah. Heisler had with that. Queenie's yeah. is there. I went there before Bulls game mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And it, I was surprised. It's a very good menu. Food really? was good. Great. Good drinks. Nice place to go before a game. Good to hear. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> now, we've had a lot of people in your orbit on the pod. Sure. So we're not going to talk about work. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, we have had Wade on from Leisure Activities. Right. I guess we should talk maybe career path and start there. Mm. So I learned stuff before we started recording it. Okay. Places you've worked before. So let's, let's go... You're from Texas. No, actually, it's, Wait, what? I, a lot of people think that because, because, you're a, because I'm an Astros you're... fan. My mom is from Houston, and that okay. side of the family is all in Texas. But I grew up in Peoria, Illinois. Okay. Maybe uh, I did know that, actually. Uh, I think you've corrected me on that before. It's okay. 
But you go to. So Houston. you should be a Sox fan. Well, no, I mean, I, I grew up. Uh, we'd you know visit Houston in the summertime, and my okay. grandpa would take me to. You know, we'd get five dollar tickets from the grocery store and go to Astros games in the Astrodome. And that's, that's when pretty sweet. Jeff Bagwell and Craig Biggio were like, you know, yeah, the Astros were awesome in the nineties. Yeah, and now, and my my dad, who's from Southern Illinois, is a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan, hmm. and it just always seemed more fun to me to, you know, be rivals than to root against your dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, in Peoria, where I grew up, is kind of split between Cubs and Cardinals. Not a lot of Sox fans there. Okay, hmm. I guess I'm. I always thought Peoria was like southwest is it northwest it's southwest it's really like right in the center of the state oh it's yeah. like three hours from chicago right? About it's that, yeah. oh i didn't know it was that yeah. far yeah geez okay yeah that's almost champagne uh yeah west of champagne champagne's closer to indiana oh okay where'd you go to school uh i went to the college at northern yeah. illinois university in dekalb i knew that too yeah <laughs> just quizzing yourself yeah. <laughs> it's a refresher like, I course did know that. Uh, um when you were growing up jeff what did yeah. you think you were going to do or what did you want to do that's a good question um you know i i majored in psychology in school and I, and I think i thought that i wanted to do that for a long time or like to do more like research psychology um after well during college, you know, I worked in restaurants just to kind of have money, um, mm-hmm. to have fun. And, you know, by the end of my senior year, I was a little bit burnt out on school, but I, you know, the plan was to always go back to grad school. And I had a few friends that I was graduating with that were moving to Chicago. I, you know, I loved the city. It was very much, you know, I think everyone has that romantic sort of, you know, relationship with it when you're in your early twenties just seems like this world of endless like possibility and discovery. Um, you know, I loved going to check out different neighborhoods and shows and stuff like that. Um, and I knew that, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I've worked in restaurants so I can, I can make money, you know, make a living doing that there here. Um, and so, yeah, the one thing it turned to another and here I am still haven't gone to grad school. Nicole mm-hmm. Alexander from Siren Betty went to NIU oh, and yeah. she would commute to the city to work at bars in Wrigleyville during really? college. See, I, I commuted from DeKalb to Naperville um, for a while, which is like a 40, 45 minute drive. In college? Thought, yeah. Oh, man. Um, I thought that was long. but no, Yeah. What was in Naperville? Uh, it was a restaurant on Route 59 called Luigi's House um, and it was a really big Italian restaurant that was owned by Portillo's. They're going to say um, owned by Nintendo. Is that the only non-Portillo's thing that uh, they own? No. Well, I, right now, I don't know. Um, there was another like seafood restaurant out there, too, and I cannot remember the name of it. Um, that was part of that, too. This is like full service, like, you know, yeah. dining restaurant, not, you know, not the counter service drive through stuff. Um, and it's actually really good. Like the whole it was a very big restaurant and it was all like the whole restaurant was kind of designed like a, a, t- a Italian home. So like each dining, there was like seven different dining rooms. And they all had, hmm. the, you know, different themes or like the library, the kitchen, the garden. Um, so yeah, that was kind of where I, I guess my first, like yeah, I started there before I was 21, so I couldn't serve. So I kind of did other jobs around until I was old enough to do that. So then did you move to the city eventually? I moved to the city after I graduated in 2004. Um, my first job here was at a Fogo de Chao. Um, mm-hmm. So I was there for about a year. How was that? Um, it was interesting. It was really intense. Like, you know, this, it was still Brazilian owned back then. And so like, you know, a lot of the 
gaucho all, almost all the gauchos then were were brazilian hmm. um gauchos of people going the, cutting the meat table co- to table co- cooking the meat yeah. like each guy had like this was their cut that they prepped and cooked and served oh wow like that, Full you know, ownership. Kinda, yeah that's interesting and a lot of them did that that was their same thing when they were in brazil and then um, wow did it here um, but it was cool. I mean, like, is it was that was still a pretty novel concept, the churrascaria um, back in 04. And so we yeah, got... Yeah, Mannion stole it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he goes around the dining room slicing meat off yeah. for people. Um, but, you know, I guess, like, as a 22-year-old, like, there was a lot of celebrities and athletes and stuff that would come through there like, back then. Any kind of cool. fun celebrity sighting stories? Um, like... With athletes, like unless it was a big name athlete, like it almost like didn't matter. Like, oh, that's the Cubs backup catcher. Like, no one cares. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, you know, Manny Ramirez, Roger Clemens, uh, Pedro Martinez gave me a hug one day. Whoa, um, sweet. <laughs> he had a, had a few bottles of wine, and that was like the fun part. Like, <laughs> Are you still like, wearing the same shirt right uh, now? Yeah, exactly. this is them. this one. Yeah, yeah. a lot of holes in it. Um, <laughs> He asked for where the restroom was and <laughs> got a hug out of that. He, yeah, he's he really relieved. Really yeah. had to go. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. Uh, I think the biggest biggest celebrity was I remember being in there was Dustin Hoffman at the time. Wow, pretty cool. Who's in character? Yeah, as exactly. Man. Yeah, I think that was like around like, oh man, what was that? I Heart Huckabee's. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a movie I should revisit. I, that's yeah, early Jonah Hill. Oh, was Jonah Hill in that? Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that's oh yeah. Um, but so yeah, how about, okay. So what do you think were some takeaways that you learned from Fogo to Chow and, or the seafood restaurant before that? Like things that kind of prepped you. Well, Fogo, no, Luigi's wasn't, no, that wasn't seafood, the seafood place. Oh. That was oh, Italian. Th- all right. Sorry. Um, but Come on, Danny. W- what was the seafood? I think place similarly for both those places was <laughs> learning how to sell wine. Um, okay. and you know, that, you know, kind of getting into learning as much as I could then, um, you know, and that was a different time before, you know, the internet had an unlimited wealth of resources. Yeah. So you really had to kind of find mentors and learn from them. Um, and there was definitely a great culture of, of wine education and salesmanship at Fogo at the time. Um, that's, so after, I, was, I was at Fogo for a year and then moving on from there. And that's kind of what, I, once I started really realizing that, um, hospitality could be a career for myself. Like that was sort of the path that like I was on at that point was, was on the wine side. If you wanted to be on the beverage side, that was kind of what there was like, yeah, that was the gateway, um, right? Like mixology and cocktail menus weren't really like a, a thing, thing yeah. at the time. So this is at least in Chicago. This is like Oh four Oh five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pre 2007. Yeah. When Violet Hour opens. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely like, learned a lot about wine then. Um, from there, um, in 2005, I started working at Nacional 27, um, oh, and then yeah. dug more into cocktails and, and wine there. Um, it was a great place to, to learn. And, and was Adam Seeger there mm-hmm. a lot at that time? Yeah, all the time. Um, he was running the beverage program at that point. Um, and then, you know, I, I went through management training there with, with Let Us Entertain You, which was great and definitely was a really good foundation for kind of what I have you know do now <laughs> yeah how was that um, structure different than fogo de chao or luigi's well i mean lettuce has like a very corporate you know um training program where you you know i remember like there was 
you know, there was bound booklets and stuff and CDs you'd take home and like listen to like lessons and stuff and you'd get quizzed on it. So it was very Whoa. formalized. Were they narrated by Rich? <laughs> no, I, um, it was their HR director at the time. Nice. Um, Did any of the Melmans make an appearance in the training videos? Uh, I mean, it would have just been Rich at the time. Yeah. Um, oh, and yeah, I'm right. sure that there's probably, yeah. The some kids are probably just out of college or, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but Rich was around the restaurant some. I mean, like anytime that we'd do menu changes and stuff, he'd come in and work with the chef. And, oh, that's cool. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Lettuce alum. I'd had, I did not yeah. know that. A very well-rounded career so far, Jeff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Next step. Where are we going after um, that? So the, the chef at Nacional, um, he, he was partners in that restaurant. He, he came from Miami. Um, his name is Randy Zweibin. And uh, he'd worked with Norm Van Aken in Miami, came to Chicago to open Nacional 27 as his, his kind of vision. Um, and then he, was, he, he wanted to branch out and do his own thing outside of lettuce. And that was Province, which, you know, Danny and I were talking about earlier. Um, and that opened uh, in the West Loop on Jefferson and Randolph, uh, not at a great, like, economic time to be opening restaurants. It was like October 08. Mm, um, yeah. So I came on board there, you know, did everything from, you know, cocktail menu, wine program, general manager. Um, and that was, you know, that was a lot. And, you know, I was 26 years old, um, but yeah. like a great learning experience for like kind of how to open places. And I think that's kind of where I caught the bug for, you know, with that. Um, Were you in a GM role at that point in time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So was that your first GM gig? Yes. Yeah. So first GM mm-hmm. gig was opening a spot. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. What did that entail? That was a first for you. I mean, um, I mean, like, you know, construction, like build out, mm-hmm. um, that space was uh, like a gold level lead certified building. Um, so, you know, kind of, uh, uh, environmentally friendly, um, you know, zero waste and that we kind of rolled that into the concept as well with both the food, like working with a lot of local farmers as well as like the beverage program trying to source stuff locally as you could at the time and that was you know there was a lot of like cool regional stuff at the time that was like on the rise like um you know i remember like death store and stuff was yeah north shore Shore, exactly is that Um, a requirement when you're in a lead building is it required i don't i think or did you guys just lean into yeah we kind of just adopted that as part of our own you know you know uh, guiding you know principle yeah exactly yeah that's cool I mean, I feel like that's pretty, has just continued to be on trend for, you know, until now. I mean, it's still pretty trendy. Right. I mean, <laughs> we, you know, we had an all organic biodynamic, you know, wine list that wow. was, you know, to kind of convince people why you were doing it back then. Yeah, you're a trailblazer. Um, uh, I don't know about that, but, <laughs> um, you know, you're just trying to do things that felt interesting and challenging, I guess. Yeah. Know? Um, I, what I liked at that point with the wine program was being able to work with like really cool, unique varietals or producers and people doing interesting things. Um, so that was fun. Yeah. I mean, did those, uh, do those tastes still carry over today? Like the things that you loved then, are they still the things you love now? Um, I guess, how is it, how has it evolved from a wine standpoint? Probably. I mean, there's still some of those producers that I, I would still get really excited about, um, from a cocktail standpoint, you know, I'm sure you might feel the same way if you look back on drinks you wrote. Some of the early builds, yeah. yeah 10, 12 years ago that you're like, ah. <laughs> you're like six ounces of simple syrup. Right. That seems crazy. Um, but that's, you know, again, there wasn't as much resources available 
online. So you're kind of like looking at those, you know, reprints of like old cocktail books and trying to like figure out, well, what's a half jigger of this ingredient or whatever. Well, I think that's a good uh, transition to talk about cocktails and how that kind of informs the next steps. Like, do you remember your kind of development from a cocktail perspective, those maybe early aha moments? Was it with Adam? Was it? Yeah. You know, I think it all, I don't know if I can pinpoint any particular like aha moments. I mean, certainly, you know, at Nacional, like we took our cocktail program really seriously. And like, I think at the time, you know, there wasn't a lot of other people, like, like you know, restaurants that were had as like broad and like involved. And also again, using kind of like market ingredients and stuff like that. Yeah. All fresh. Um, and Adam had taken Bridget's class, I think on the first one that she offered. And then he's like, Jeff, you should do this too. And so I think I was on the third iteration of that with like Charles Jolie. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, and that that was really exciting and like you know the way it was kind of broken down into like you know each week was like kind of digging into a different spirit category and then like you know just learning as much as you could about that and then you know adam just challenged me to like well take what you learn there and then bring it in and do trainings for our staff and so um we had a really deep back bar there especially of rums and tequila and whatever mezcal you know was available at the time which is you know mostly del McKay. yeah um and yeah, that's early days for Mezcal. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, 05 to 08. Wow. Um, and that's, you know, I, you know, maybe we kind of get there a little later, but that was sort of where the, the seeds for Asteria were planted for me, at least. Oh, yeah. Um, just that, you know, and, and then, you know, time it, you know, drinking a lot of cachaça during the Fogo de Chai years, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we could jump around a little rather than go straight chronologically, but how did, <laughs> uh, how did this, how did the seed... How did a stereo come to be? Where well, did the idea come from? Um, so it was, you know, Wade and I, um, after Sportsman's, you know, we're, I, I wish I could tell you exactly where it came from. I mean, you know, Wade and I did a lot of traveling together back then. Um, maybe we should talk before we sure. get into that. Maybe we talk about how you met Wade and, yeah. and that relationship started. Cause then I think that will open up to sure. many other concepts. Um, uh, so yeah, Wade and I opened Barrel House Flat together in 2011, um, and you know he had just moved here from New York City. Um, I had just left the Aviary, and you know we were both kind of at a similar place in our life where we were really excited about what we were doing, and um, you know excited about like kind of all the new things that were springing up both in Chicago and you know anywhere else in the country. Yeah, it was like a cocktail renaissance. Yeah, um, and. You know, there, there kind of already was the model of like Violet Hour and like some of these like the, um, you know, first generation, you know, cocktail bars that had opened and then a lot of people sort of branching off. And, and Barrel House was a good example of that because Stephen Cole came from Violet Hour and then this was sort of his, you know, ex, you know interpretation of, of what he wanted a cocktail bar to be. And so that's, you know, and then when... Wade and I met, we started talking about ideas that we had, how we want to do it. Um, were you guys both bartenders? We were. Um, that had like an, ex- an extremely long menu, I it remember. Did. So yeah. that's- Deep classics menu. Yeah. And that kind of informed what we wanted to do at Sportsman. So, you know, the classics menu there was like 80 something drinks. Did and you have those 
memorized? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, all everything on the menu, you oh, were yeah. just wow. Eighty something classics, and then we would change. Then we'd have a, a another menu of house originals that the bartenders created that were way more like the beta cocktail sort of vibe at the time. Like, how much pesos can you put in something? It's to make it taste good. To balance it out. Oh, yeah. what was of um, the eighty? How many did you know before you worked there? I. Not all of them, for sure. I mean, because Greg Butera and Stephen Cole put that menu together. And, you know, if you know Greg, like he is a human encyclopedia of cocktails. And so he pulled some some real deep ones out for that that I'd never heard of before. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, maybe half or so. But mm. but then also, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Stephen made it seem like he was okay with people interpreting the drinks to their own specs. So, like, if someone came in and asked for a Manhattan, let's say, mm-hmm. and Jeff made it like it, there was a house build. Yeah. But if Jeff made his build of it, Stevens, from what he told me, he made it, it made it seem like he was okay with people having their own builds for special, for certain classics. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you could back that up, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, that like, always this was... blew my mind because in Scofflaw group, I was always like, it had like, this is the house build. Right. Like I don't want someone to come in here and just like do their inverse Manhattan and be like, this is a better Manhattan. Yeah. You know, so this is also back in a time, like, I feel like it's such a different, you know, world now with the industry. There was fewer cocktail bars and there was a lot of people that wanted to work in that. Right. So you would, you could maybe bar, you'd bar back for years before you got a chance to for actually sure, bartend. Yeah. And, you know, like, I, I currently work with like several people who were my bar backs then that now run programs for different Heisler places. So, you know, Dan Smith at Queen Mary was a bar back there for a few years and someone that, 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 that talented. And like you think of now as like such a great, like established, um, you know, person that runs an amazing program. Um, so, so I guess like the, what I'm saying is like, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, this guy, you know, just, had, you know, has been working in the industry for six months and barbacked for four months and now bartending and now coming in here doing their own riff on a Manhattan. Like it was established people, established people. And like, you know, we like, it was kind of a culture of like, of understanding and tweaking drinks and like really kind of nerding out on that stuff at the time. So, I mean, the Manhattan, Manhattan to me is a, a good example of that. Cause I don't typically like a two to one build and, and, you know, which vermouth you're using and all that kind of stuff. And if, you know, if you have a good reason for why you think that one's a more balanced version of it and and not like that, it's like a crazy inverse Manhattan. Like now we're getting into <laughs> yeah. a different territory. Um, so yeah, but for the most part, like when you were learning, when you're training there, you definitely needed to learn the recipes by the specs. That's good. Real yeah. quick. What, what are the tasks of a bar back in my mind? Yeah. It's, it's a lot of prep and, and cleaning up and things like that. It's, but I've, that's just my assumption. They're like, you know, the, the grease on the wheels of the machine, right? Like the ones that like keep everything else churning, um, you know, like restocking is like a big part of it. So, you know, making sure that like ice and bottles and beer and whatnot else. It's like support it for the bartenders essentially. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it, so through that, you're able to, you know, absorb that information. Do you, are you learning cocktail builds as your bar back? Like what? Well, you, yeah, you know, when, there, like when there's time, they go home um, and study. Not on Friday night in service well, um, right. but if you, you know, if you're going to work, you know, pick up a Monday or Tuesday night and like work closely with a bartender that you want to learn from, and then you can kind of, you know, talk through builds. And I, I remember training Greg Fleming that way. And now he's running Lone Wolf, um, 
and what makes a good bar back and what makes a bad bar back? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I think you, you need to underst- like understand what the job is and not try to be more than that, I think. Mm-hmm. And again, and what I think my message always was, look, you know, your job is just as important as a bartender's like for service to be, to, to be executed correctly. Like what you're doing is no less important than what anyone else is doing. Like mm-hmm. I, like, so if you're focused on doing something that I should be doing or another a bartender should be doing whatever, um, then that means this, the thing that the bar back is supposed to be doing is not getting done. And for, you know, if then I go to my well and I have no ice then I can't make a drink. And <laughs> so, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, I think just kind of like being able to focus on that. Yeah. And, and probably stay in the background. Like I, when I worked on the trading sure. floor, I was uh, <laughs> when I was a clerk, and I first started yeah, you're out. You're the bar back like, of the trading floor. Exactly, mm-hmm. you're the bar back of the trading floor. Your, yeah. your job is to take trade tickets from open outcry, take them up, enter mm-hmm. the trades, and uh, you know, I thought until I was, would uh, just adjust the trades on the fly. He's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, like, oh, they need no, a few on more. Second <laughs> thought, yeah, <laughs> take my own discretion. No, but I remember like I like to crack jokes. Sure. I'm a loudmouth can be yeah and i remember one time a trader pulled me aside and they call me timbo slice slice was my nickname on okay. the trading floor yeah he goes, slice come here he goes nobody wants a, a funny clerk shut up <laughs> <laughs> i was like yeah. that's, that's a good point so i guess like with a bar back it's like don't you know we're busy just make sure we're stocked and you're paying attention i mean that might vary when place busy, to place and i you know and my answer to this might differ from danny's you know based on what the needs are there's funny different i bars. got told something similar to tim but i'll tell you after yeah <laughs> I mean, at a place like Sportsman's, like, I, th- I feel like that you can inject some personality there. Like, it's a yeah. relaxed, fun yeah, place. Yeah, that's the, that's yeah, the venue for that. Yeah, um, yeah one time, uh, the then director of operations for Boca Group, mm-hmm. Ian, who now I've brought up many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, confirmed he is COO. Yeah. yeah. Yep, now COO. Uh, one time he called me in for a meeting, and one of the lines was, uh, God gave you two ears and one mouth, which means you should listen <laughs> twice as much as you talk. <laughs> because, I mean, it's uh, general good life advice. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, loving to crack jokes, be a real chatterbox. Yeah. Not you listen to it. people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think being a good bar back depends on, on the space. I mean, there was an article written about what it meant to be a bar back at Barrel House that was like pretty extensive. Mm-hmm terms of prep different ice different citrus all the syrups like it's you know there's this stuff that happens during service and also pre-service it's totally it's pretty applicable in most any other bar setting i think this episode is brought to you by scofflaw old tom gin a tasty versatile spirit Created in Chicago in 2012, the product was born out of a need for a bespoke iteration of the Old Tom style, which is the slightly sweeter predecessor to London Dry. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin carries classic notes of orange peel, juniper, and coriander while balancing on a subtle floral edge thanks to the addition of osmanthus blossoms. Its elevated proof is suitable in cocktails or unadorned. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin. Complete your bar. We brushed over aviary. Sure. I'd like to go back yeah. because it is a different, it's, it's kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. What, what was your role there? I, so I helped open aviary and next as a manager at both locations. Okay. And I it's kind of like floor managing at aviary at next. I would, you know, kind of help on the floor where needed as like, you know, pouring wine. And, um, I, I did the first two non-alcoholic 
pairings for the next first two iterations of next menus, which then Bobby Murphy took over and you know far surpassed anything I had been doing. First with two it. is Paris and Thailand. And Thailand, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's before liars existed and all those uh, NA spirits. Oh right, yeah. No, we were we were using Vichy Catalan. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I uh, also just noticed that the Vichy Catalan you handed me is expired. Oh, is it? <laughs> I mean, it's it's better. When it gets that older. is true. That's hilarious. <laughs> Does it expire though? Is no, it go? No, yeah, it this is like water that's been inside <laughs> no. the earth for millions of years. I'm just building up future lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. Wherever I can get it, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is expired by uh, about two weeks. So no, I am okay. I'm willingly drinking it on the record. Uh, this is of my own. I have volition. not been yeah. duped. Well, I you kind of were uh, duped. I guess. They're, they're more like suggested. It's right? tasty. Where can you get this as a normal person? This episode brought to you by I'll talk about Vichy all day. Um, I think, well, I, I, you can get it Queen Mary. Um, they sell it. Um, like packaged yeah. to go? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, Lost Larson has it. Um, I think Olivia's market, they used to carry it. It's been a minute since I've checked mm. in there. Um, I mean, any other like kind of places will sell Spanish. Nice. Spanish and if you want a yeah. super discounted version of it that's expired, go for that. <laughs> Come to yeah. the joiner studio. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. What's uh, yeah? Opening I, next to Navier. Yeah, I mean, deal. as far as uh, hospitality in those places, I mean, when people are a paying those prices and with the um, reputation of Alinea Group, mm-hmm. but outside of Alinea, I, I would think people come in expecting a top tier experience. How do you ensure that happens as a manager? Um, I feel like that there's some pressure there. Was it reasonable oh, yeah. hospitality, or would you say unreasonable? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that might depend on your perspective, um, but there was a lot of excitement about both those concepts because they were both completely yeah, new. No one had really done either of those things. Right. Um, you know, Dave Barron, Chef at Next. Chef at Next. Who was Tim's uh, old roommate? Who was the beverage director at uh, Aviary then? Craig Schottler. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So he was the opening chef, cocktail, you know, um, beverage director there. Um, you know, and we were we were very thorough about service training there, mm-hmm. service and um, spirits knowledge, and that was my key role at uh, Aviary was spirits knowledge and did a lot of like hand selling spirits and stuff on the floor. Did you write those guides? Um, I I, did, I wrote some. I don't know which ones you're referring to. No, I mean, um, we're yeah. when you t- in mm. theory trained an entire yeah. staff about various spirits. I'm yeah. assuming you gave them some materials. Yes, and you know, um, a lot of like the research I had done from back in like you know Bridget's class and stuff like that kind of came back to with that. And um, I, I love I love still love talking about that stuff, but yeah, especially then like, another was, alum of uh, Bridget Albert. Yeah, yep. nice. Mm-hmm. Um, was Gary O there at no the time? not at the time and i and i i was only at aviary for about the first six months it was open okay. um and then so greg butera also worked at aviary um he left he was opening barrel house with steven and that was an exciting opportunity to me so yeah um, all right so then i guess if we go back to chronologically sure. sport is the next concept so yeah so after aviary i was at both Barrel House and Graham Elliott for a few years. Um, and then what was the Graham Elliott situation like? Um, it was, what I loved about that time was Graham Elliott. I got to focus on food, like high end food and wine and doing wine pairings. And like, you know, we were doing, you know, 20 something course, you know, tasting menus. Um, 
we had two Michelin starred at that point. And um, so I, I got to spend a few days a week doing that. And then at Barrel House, focus more on spirits and cocktails. So it was kind of like a fun way to kind of, you know, yeah, all the things both that, itches. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, the next thing was Sportsman's. Uh, Wade had been working, opened Trencherman and got to know Matt and Kevin. Yeah. Sorry, um, real quick. Yeah. Just because I feel like there's some kind of connection here. Working in, you know, next an aviary under kind of the Grant Ackett's umbrella, kind of a, a very well-known celebrity-ish chef. And then mm-hmm. you have Graham Elliott, another celebrity chef, mm-hmm. and kind of having both experiences how would you compare like the kind of the two separate cultures? Wow. Um, you know, I think there was a lot, I mean, being at within the Alinea group, um, helped, helped set me up for working with, um, kind of what we were trying to do at, at Graham Elliott. When I, when I started there, it was still very much more of like the, you know, Graham's kind of like fun, you know, uh, cheese at risotto kind of stuff. And then from there, like when, when Andrew Brochu came in as the chef, uh, you know, that's when we were like, all right, let's push for two stars. And like, he kind of brought his Alinea background into, um, you know, there's a lot of overlap between them. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so just kind of understanding that, you know, multi-course, you know, kind of pace of service and just that sort of, uh, rhythm, um, was really helpful to have, um, you know, both are really great inspirational, you know, leaders in their own way. Um, you know, Graham was definitely more of like the TV celebrity at that point. And that was like, you know, anytime he was in the building, like if he walked through the dining room, then like every single table was like, can I get a picture? Can I get a picture? Um, did he enjoy that or did it? Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. 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 I mean, he, he was great with that. Like he was very generous with, you know, when making sure that everyone got to, you know, say hi. When someone spotted Grant in the dining room and they're like, Hey Grant, can I get a picture? Was he equally gracious or he was like kind of, you know, I didn't, I don't, I mean, I don't remember Grant like taking photos in the dining room. That wouldn't have been like the Alinea kind of like vibe, but like you could ask for a kitchen tour after the meal and you know, kind of you're, you'd be guided back there to kind of watch them. You know, Grant, Grant was, I mean, when he's there, he's working, you know, and he's not like glad handing, um, you know, and not to say that he's not generous and gracious with it gracious with his time but he's very focused on you know executing i've only seen chefs take pictures with uh, patrons i've only seen one chef do it and it wasn't at his restaurant it was bobby flay at gaijin okay (laughs) (laughs) he was sitting at the bar and people kept coming up to him asking for pictures and then once the floodgates were opened is that when you asked him i was first i was first in line (laughs) (laughs) you opened the floodgates i had a stack of headshots (laughs) yeah the one picture we have in our studio is tim and bobby flay Uh, yeah. So, so sportsman's from what, from what Wade said, Mm -hmm. you guys had this concept and then, um, was it Matt and Kevin were like, we have the perfect spot for it. Yeah. Um, and it is the perfect spot for it. Location, like aesthetic. Right. What did it look like when you guys took it over? Um, so the bar and the back bar are original, um, and the front door but then pretty much nothing else inside. So like the built-ins are all all fabricated. The the built-in shelves were there. So like the back bar and the built-in shelves, that was there in the bar itself. But not the cabinets, Um, like the mesh. The uh, the expanded metal that was, yeah, we put that in there. Okay. um, So that people didn't steal the stuff that was in there. Yeah, I found Um, a way. (laughs) Got a lot of merch. (laughs) (laughs) Bottles of of bitters. um, Yeah, and then, you know, Kevin 
did an amazing job of like making it feel timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so the thing like bef- <laughs> before it's always been sportsman's club, like, um, but back then before it was our iteration of it, uh, you'd have to like ring a buzzer to get in, you know, it was oh. like one of those. Kind when of did places. it close? Um, so we took it over, we took over the space, I believe in May or June of 2013. And so, I mean, I think so the original one was open until then. Oh really? I had no idea. Um, I thought it had just been sitting there. No. Um, I, we used to sitting go there full of patrons drink. Uh, oh, it wasn't full. <laughs> no, you know, there'd be like an old guy asleep on the bar and, yeah. um, the bartenders were, you know, a little older and they'd be smoking cigarettes behind the bar in the back. And I think that's why they kept the door locked. I kind of like that vibe. Um, yeah, it was a vibe that, you know, it was not a kind of place. Like, I don't think they had ice. Like, so you could basically oh. get like a Heineken and a shot. That was about it. Yeah. Um, and a warm screwdriver. Yeah, if you want, <laughs> talk about expiration dates. Um, uh, I, I remember that kind of orange juice goes bad. Right. <laughs> I remember going to the soft opening, yeah. which was Nathan Michael's birthday party. He reminded me. I saw him. I ran into him oh, like a week ago. Mm-hmm. You're like, so reminding me ago. of that, bro. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was so what year? 2013. 13? 10 years okay. ago. Wow. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Happy anniversary thank this you. month. Thank, thank you for making such a cool, um, you know, artifact thank you for trusting us to take creative license uh, on a no one else <laughs> merch thing. very seldom are people like just make something cool and uh i, know, I knew you guys so we were excited it. to do yeah. it cool um so it's what, a jacket for all the listeners and it's very yeah cool. it's a jacket yeah. and actually well the pre-sale will probably be over by the time this airs yeah, yeah. i think it's yeah well yeah. you tell me well, I congratulations yeah. to all the people who were able to snap get one. Snap one. Yeah. Went yeah. Very, very sweet yeah um danny did not get one sorry danny well i work here so <laughs> work where? So I just borrow Tim's all the time. <laughs> you work in some. You share a closet. Work in my closet. <laughs> Studio is technically a part of stock. Danny's so. my dressing assistant. <laughs> yeah. He's my Makes closet sense. back. I'm like that app in Clueless <laughs> where she's putting together the outfits. Except I do that for Tim every day. <laughs> he tries them on. He has a mask, <laughs> a tyranny mask. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get back on track here. So, ten years. What does that mean? For I mean, that's a milestone. But like, sure. I don't think sportsmen's like it's the same when i go today as it was back then i mean the neighborhood around it has changed but like it's the same vibe i guess what what has changed that maybe i haven't noticed well that's great to hear um you know uh, i think the easy well i mean and and you all have surpassed the 10-year marks with your businesses too so i mean Mm -hmm. you've been there um the pandemic i think was a good way for us to sort of reset in a way um, and, you know, and after the pandemic, uh, we, we brought in DJ Dodd to, to be the general manager there and he does a great job. He does a fina- fantastic job and good dude as well. Good dude. And he, you know, when, when we were interviewing, he like, you know, he, he hit, hit spot on on the things that made sportsman special from the beginning. And he's like, that's what I want to go back to focusing on, you know? And I, so if I can actually kind of jump back to something you were mentioning earlier, like the barrel house cocktail menu was like 85 drinks. So Wade and I were like, well, we'd sit there and watch people like just thumb through this menu for like 20 minutes, trying to figure <laughs> right. out what they want to drink. And then just be like, I'll have an old fashioned. It's, it's like, a okay. cheesecake factory effect. Right. It's like, it's overwhelming. People don't know what they want. So the, the thought process behind sportsman's is like, look, bartenders have all these drinks in their head. So to your question, like, yes, like everyone, you should have those memorized. So you don't necessarily need the physical menu in front of someone to give that, you know, to be able to make all those drinks. What if we just took four drinks a day and put them on the menu, on the menu board? It just, and kind of like, 
you know, you have a strong stir to shake and refreshing, you know, tall, you know, long drink. Um, and then, you know, if you want to go off menu, you always have that, you know, sort of list of classics you can go to. And so that was the, ins- that was the, you know, the inspiration for sportsmen's. Um, and, you know, we got a lot of, you know, people were really into that when we first opened. And then we started to notice like over the years that like our, our P-Mix kind of started leaning, you know, we were selling less cocktails, less liquor, and we were just selling more like high life and shots, which, you know, Hey, like that's, that's great too. But uh, that's where we kind of like sort of reset our identity after the pandemic was looking at that and saying, look, look, you know, let's not just settle for being, you know, a beer and shot place. Like we, let's be proud of what we do with the cocktails and like really put a focus on that. And, um, you know, there's been evol- steps of evolution. When we first opened, we were cash, cash only. At a certain yeah. point, we started accepting credit cards. And especially during the pandemic, then it's like, hey, well, now we don't even want to take cash. Um, and, you know, we didn't have like a set cocktail menu, but then, you know, DJs kind of put together like a list of classics. So, you know. Um, we did a big project with High Life uh, like seven years ago, yeah, six or seven I, I years ago. I have one of those jackets. Yeah. yeah. And I learned Same. then that Sportsman's, it was at the time, I don't know if it still is, but mm-hmm. it was the number one High Life account in Chicago. It was the number one High Life account in Illinois oh, that wow. was not a, well, yeah, I guess not like a stadium. <laughs> yeah, Chicago means Illinois, yeah, I right, guess, for yeah. volume. Um, I don't know, maybe there's some bars in Champagne that sell a lot. Um, hmm. But the High Life in Champagne yeah, bottles. Yeah, Champagne of beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, um, I don't know if we still are. I feel like that we probably are up there. Um, but yeah, that was, it was a, it was a fun feather in the cap for a few years. <laughs> yeah. Later. Okay, so now you guys have established this rapport. Is, is it after Sportsman that you guys start leisure activities? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Wade and I, we, after Sportsman's, we were working Sorry. <laughs> with Heisler on some of their new projects as well. So we worked with them on Pub Royale and Queen Mary, um, which was a lot of fun. And, you know, I think Wade and I just, we like to kind of dig in creatively. And, like, we had a lot of ideas that were like, okay, you know, um, things that we saw that could be a good fit and that people would respond to, hopefully people responded to. Um, so we did that and then we, you know, did some consulting on projects for other people. So that was kind of like, okay, well, let's kind of create this, you know, identity of a, you know, of what we do. Yeah. What are and, the roles within that? I mean, you guys have, you both have the cocktail knowledge, mm-hmm. are, are, but I think you lean more operations. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it, you know, creatively, we definitely collaborate a lot on what we do. Um, Wade's, you know, a big idea person, like where if, you know, he's, we'll bring everything to the table. And then I think I kind of help with like editing things down. Maybe I yeah. don't know, that's, a, that's Wade's, kind of a paradigm. Wade, no, Wade's really good at, he has got a, just a really good eye. Mm-hmm. He's always showing me cool new things. Yeah. I'm bad at seeing new things. And he's always showing me something like Wade's good at identifying trends before they happen. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, and like I think I met, like I said, like we we would travel a lot together. We would get you know inspiration from different places and think, okay, this would be cool, or maybe we could, you know interpret this in some other way. And um, you know, it's, it's still fun to do that together. Um, so the smaller cocktail concept that you guys did at Sportsman's, I got to assume that's what informed Asterio as well, because that's like the interchange. Well, I guess you could explain the the format. Yeah, um, you know we. We really wanted to do something, you know, we we loved those spirit categories. We loved Pisco, we loved Agave Spirits, and, you know, 
there was more and more, um, you know, unique, like, like artisanally produced, like agave spirits that were coming into the market around that time in the early 2010s, um, that were really exciting. And so we're like, well, what if we kind of build this concept around these, these spirit categories that we like? And, you know, it sort of by nature, I think people think of things like rum and tequila as being like these like tropical, like kind of things, but we didn't, you know, it wasn't tiki to us. It was like, we want to like kind of celebrate these spirits in a way that is, I don't know, unique. So, you know, we work with like fresh produce from local farms and farmers and like, what, what can we do to sort of showcase these things and, you know, educate people about things that we're excited about. And so that was kind of where the menu came from. It's like, all right, well, instead, like, first of all, like I hate naming cocktails and like eventually just run out of good name. I mean, all the good names have been taken, I think. Um, <laughs> and now it's just like references to movies and stuff. Um, What's the best cocktail name? I, I, that's a question for both of you guys. Uh, What's the one where you're like, God, I wish I thought of well, that. Well, Scofflaw. That's why we <laughs> named it Scofflaw. Slippery Slope, named after a Whistler cocktail. Uh, the first time I saw Liquid Swords on a menu, I was like, damn it, why did I think of that? Of course. <laughs> Liquid Swords. Yeah. Um, and but that's probably been done like 15 times. Like unrelated, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but where were we? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I guess Tim just we're just on a cocktail. Yeah, names. I just wanted to set you on a different course. No, uh... <laughs> We're on the, on the yeah, topic of Asterio. Like, I think because of that format, it is scalable. I mean, there's we've got West Loop now. Mm-hmm. I guess you want to talk about the future of the brand. I think Matt Eisler talked a little bit about it. Sure. Um, but I know you guys have plans to expand it. I mean, yeah. Further, I, I guess. We, yeah, we love the concept. Um, I think it's, it's something that is a fun thing for people to explore and learn about new spirit categories. Um, they're you know, they can be as approachable or as like weird and, you know, um, kind of off, you know, I guess more challenging, I guess, palette wise, um, as you want to get. Um, so the idea is you've got your mixers and then you choose your spirit. Well, there's one cocktail on the menu called the breezy, which is sort right. of a choose your own spirit. Um, Oh, is that just for that? Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. right totally. Cause so, that's the one I was getting during the pandemic, like yeah. packaged. Cause I had, I'm like, this will go with everything in my liquor cabinet. That was kind of the idea. Yeah. It was like, I mean, any, anything from like, you know, you're from tequila, mezcal, pisco to even just like a blanc vermouth or whatever, if mm-hmm. you want to kind of keep it low ABV. Um, the other the other drinks are not as inter- interchangeable, especially ones like we have on draft. Like obviously that's kind of <laughs> already already set. Um, but sorry, what was the question? No, there was no question. Just expanding. I, a st- I mean, you have yeah. a second stereo now. Are there? Oh right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no. Um, no big reveal as far as like what's no, next. No, I mean, but, um, so when you have the first hysteria, are you like, even before you open it, are you thinking this could be multiple con, you know, could we have multiple locations of this concept? Or at what point do you think like this, wow, I guess we could do more than just one? I think that was a, a few, a couple of years ago. I think like kind of coming out of the pandemic, we realized that, okay, like this is something that I think, you know, we could, we could grow and scale. You know, I don't know if, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, when we first opened, Logan Square looked really different than it does now. Um, that strip especially. Uh, it's the, I think there was a response to it that we were like, man, this is something that excites people. And 
you know, I know more and more of those types of spirits are making their way into like other markets outside Chicago, but Mm -hmm. you know, I think it'd be fun to, you know, get people excited about those things elsewhere too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's, what are you, what does your day to day look like? So I'm vice president of operations for Heisler hospitality. So that means I wear a lot of hats. Um, (laughs) and so most of my time is spent with, you know, the, the existing properties with Heisler, um, and working on developing projects with Matt. So I work pretty closely with Matt and then each of the GMs at the locations. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is Matt the creative lead? Is he like, this is the next concept or this is what we're looking to get into. And then Kevin Matt, comes on or do they work on that stuff together? Matt's the, de- the development lead for sure. Like okay. finding locations that make sense for something and then and then we kind of bring it together and sort of like iron out um you know what works there you know sometimes we have to scrap things and start over or um you know with ideas but you know i think you know that's kind of the the collaborative development process are there a few things like on a checklist where if they're hit you're kind of like all right this project's a go like we're very optimistic about it or like you're kind of working through it and you're like uh this one component seems a little off i think we should kind of scrap it um you know I, like are there certain things you're looking for before you green light a concept i guess or like before something what's your forward? hit list like what's the formula what's sure. always in it? Is that what you're asking sure sure i mean i guess it probably starts with just making sure the number that numbers work right like okay like what is you know what's the rent what can we expect to do in this location and that, I, I my role is probably more on the the spreadsheet side of things with that um you know and then we sort of start with maybe sort of a broad concept of like, okay, this is like what we want to do. And then we might bring in someone like as a general manager or beverage director to kind of fine tune that. And and maybe like friends of friends is a good example of that. where like, you know, we kind of knew we wanted to have this kind of corner neighborhood bar. Um, and then, you know, bringing in Abe to work with that and like, you know, then letting him have like the vision of actual, like the more micro creative stuff, if that makes sense. He's a master of that. Yeah. And he's, phenomenal with that yeah metal arc is a masterpiece i mm-hmm. think um i i'm thinking now like ludlow sportsman's friends of friends like these are places with patios what does patio mm-hmm. season mean to you as an operator is that like <laughs> is I mean, that like is it feast and famine or is does it like put pressure on you to create more um you know give more incentives to bring people in the door in the colder months we definitely, you know, we gravitate towards places that have a nice patio. I mean, and you mentioned a few, but like also Pizza Lobo, both locations have um, right. big patios. Um, you know, even Queen Mary's got a pretty decent sized patio on the sidewalk. Um, but I mean, you know how it is in Chicago. It's like you go through nine months of, you know, never ending winter, it feels like. And then, yeah. you know, people really enjoy being outside. So, you know, trying to bring in as much of that. Um, you know, people go out to have a good time. So try to give them a space to do that. in. Mm-hmm. um, as far as like the, the pressure, I don't know. I mean, you, you think about it in the sense, like, I think sportsman's is a good, good example where, you know, you think of it as like the patio. Oh, this is a great place to hang out in the summertime, but it's also very cozy in the winter. Um, so I think kind of having both those things yeah. is important fireplace. Yeah. Or, I mean, just the inside of sportsman's, you know, it's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. built-ins, play some checkers. Right. Does anyone ever yeah. bring their own chess pieces? Yes. Yeah, we have chess clubs that play there, too. Oh, really? We have chess pieces behind the bar. Oh, but got to ask for them. 
Yeah, we usually you gotta know the code word, right? <laughs> <laughs> May I please have? <laughs> um, all right, yeah. So what's next? Are you like how does uh, how does leisure activities square with your role at Heisler? Like, if you and Wade are like, all right, let's focus a bunch of time on this. Do you have to like clear that? Yeah, does Heisler, Heisler take precedent? Yeah, I mean Heisler is my my full time job, um, and then you know Wade and I. I mean, Wade has his own projects that he works on, you know, obviously photography, like yeah. he's become like, he's amazing at that. And, um, he's developed a, a great business for himself doing that. So, you know, we kind of have our own separate things and then we, we, you know, we work together on making sure that our, our two existing places, big kids and Ludlow are doing well, but you know, we don't do as much of like the consulting stuff together, um, in these past few years. So. I guess we should talk big kids. Sure. Yeah. So that, how did the concept come about? Um, you know, that was during the pandemic. Um, our, the previous concept that was in that space, young American, like <laughs> after 2020, that really wasn't any way of like having to doing a cocktail bar inside with not a lot of outdoor space. Um, so we realized we needed to pivot that concept pretty quickly. And, um, you know, Wade and I had, known Ryan Pfeiffer for years and, um, you know, Blackbird was winding down and so he was available and he's good friends with Mason Hereford from Turkey and the Wolf in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, they had this idea of like doing this, like just fun sandwich shop and they they had done like pop-ups, I think at like, um, Blackbird. I remember when Wade first told me the concept, he's like, yeah, I guess it's going to be, who came up with the concept? Was it, was it Mason and Ryan? Yeah. 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 Cause I remember he was like, yeah, the branding is going to be like dinosaurs and <laughs> like Nickelodeon. Yeah, I mean, and I was it's, like, it's big kids. Okay, yeah. yeah, and yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. tapping into that nostalgia that like mm-hmm. most of us who grew up in the '90s remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of my Instagram follows are nostalgia things from yeah. '90s. Makes me feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, internet's a scary place. <laughs> so it's the real world. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, well, should we hit him with the gratuity round? Yeah. Any other questions should. you want to? Yeah. I was kind of like, yeah, if you were able to talk about things that are coming next. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, with uh, with Heisler, we have some projects in the works. Obviously, Friends of Friends, which, you know, I think has been talked about on this podcast already. Um, ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. <laughs> you guys won't stop talking yeah. about it. Thank you. We ask all um, our guests about it. <laughs> like, yeah, what do you no guys think about, about this? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the next project that, and you know, should be in early 2024, um, walking distance from where we're recording right now, which is exciting. We need more things in this neighborhood. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of people that, uh, hang out around here during the day that would probably want to drink. My wife's company's offices are nearby. Oh really? Nice. They'll pay the bills for you. Right. Um, and then yeah, Lobo two coming. Lobo three. Oh, Lobo three. Oh, yeah. Sorry, because two is in Andersonville. Two is in sorry. Andersonville. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Three coming. Danny. Yeah. We can tease that. I yeah. Guess. Cool. Um, Are we going to tease the location? I, th- I think it's already been published. Yeah, it's, so it's yeah, there. it's oh. in um, in the West Loop on Morgan Street between Randolph and Lake. So it's right where I live. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Randolph and yeah. Oh, so yeah. right by. Okay. Oh, is it in this space that was, um, it was a bank like a long time ago? No, it was it's like, it's in where South of Federales. It's across the street. So it's between oh, I gotcha. you know, South of Shake Shack, North of Starbucks. Yeah. Um, it's where Tenzing Wine and Spirits used to have their offices. Uh, okay. mm. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Timeline for that one. No pressure. Um, <laughs> 
in the next year. Okay. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's a full build out like that. You know, it was not a restaurant before, so yeah, it's not, right. a, not as much of a turnkey as some of the other projects. Right. Done, so. Is Kevin doing the design? Yeah. So, I mean, to kind of answer that question, you know, kind of Kevin comes in on the, uh, you know, once we kind of have the direction of the space and, you know, we work together talking through that and like, you know, Kevin and I took a trip to Cuba for a stereo to oh, kind of cool. work through some of the ideas for that. When um, was that? That was in 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah. But that's like right when you could start going there, right? Yeah. He, he kind of arranged it, um, through a Canadian travel agency. Oh, right. Yeah. There were loopholes. Yeah. Right? Um, and you'd fly to Mexico and then fly from Mexico to, yeah. to Havana. Now you can just fly from Miami. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Cheap too. Mm -hmm. Under hundred bucks. Send them with the gratuity <laughs> round, baby. <laughs> This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. We're going to start here. What's your death row meal? Oh, I knew you were going to ask that too. Um, what am I on death row for? <laughs> I think it has to be murder, right? I, mean, I don't feed these little expired beverages. <laughs> That's intentionally. Yeah, a lot of intentional manslaughter. Hungry. Yeah. Um, but like, no, I mean, like in a hypothetical situation, like hypothetical answer, like I, it'd probably be like something I can't get right i mean this is a psychology major coming out yeah <laughs> i mean you know i have like favorite things to eat but then like the things that like kind of like haunt your memory of like man like i wish i could have like fredo's food from App analog again oh uh, yeah that's pretty good i wish i could have another dinner at sabatino's or something wow yeah. sabatino shout out right yeah uh mirabella we were talking about yeah that's uh, a lot of the employees are there oh well, cool let's go yeah let's go all right fine tonight Let's do it. My mother-in-law's in town. You got to come with my mother-in-law. She sounds wonderful. She's great. <laughs> yeah. She's actually a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she might be making an appearance in an, uh, an intro soon. Oh cool. Because God. we alluded to a story that she told um, about getting fired from Top Notch down in Beverly. Oh, wow. And uh, she told me the real story she last night. The story. And there's way more to that story that I didn't know. And it's pretty funny. It sounds beefy. It's beefy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right, moving on. I'll take that answer. Uh, what is your favorite hidden gem restaurant? So, I, actually, I have a few if you want to talk about yeah. these. Yeah, but, um, as many as you got. I, I think I was mentioned earlier, I, my wife and I lived in Dunning, um, neighborhood of Chicago, for a few years. And, which most people probably don't know where that is, but if you don't, um, it's like west of Portage Park um, and like Belmont Cragen on like, you know, between like Belmont and... Uh, Irving Park, um, but a few favorite things. This one isn't technically in Dunning, but like, you ever go to Hagen's Fish Market? No. Oh man, um, Montrose. I've and, heard like, of it though. Central. Actually, yeah. Okay. Um, they do their own smoked fish in house. So if you get that urge and don't want to drive down to Calumet City or Calumet Fisheries, yeah. Um, Which you wouldn't go to right I now. I know, right? right? That's really sad. Because um, the fire, right? Yeah, the fire. Yeah. yeah. Um, they also have an amazing like fried fish sandwich. Like it's kind of just like a good version of a filet fish. It's nice. awesome. 
Um, this is a, one of my favorite. Th- There's a lot of great um, small, you know, independent, like the own businesses around there that have been gone for a long time, like great butchers. But there's one spot on Harlem, south of uh, Addison, called Pasta Fresh, which is just like mm. this little, little old Italian family that like make handmade pastas and sauces and arancini and have like a little Italian grocer. That's great. Um, and it's really affordable. So you can go get like stuff for dinner, like meatballs and pasta for like $25 and have a lot of leftovers. Great um, pro tip. Nice. Yeah. Um, Almost like a Nona's. Right. Or no, yeah. not Nona's. What's the, what was the place um, in Ukrainian Village, like in the middle of the neighborhood? You know, it was like a sandwich shop and like a little grocery store. And they closed, I think, during the pandemic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, just south of... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it was near, near Sportsman's. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm blanking on the name of it. Yeah. It. it was like something like Nona's. Uh, I knew the owner's daughter. She was a fabric rep. It'll come to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, does that ring any bells? The yeah. fabric rep's daughter? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me text Graham. Her name was Flo. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think one of the... One of my favorite little areas that gets overlooked for food, and you guys, I'm sure, are into this, but like, you know, like Lincoln, just north of like Lincoln Square, you have like Jibek Jolu dancing and like yeah, I mean, zero sixteen. Yeah, like I've never been. Mission. Danny talks about it a lot. Yeah, we, we got to do, do dancing. Yeah, yeah, it's owned sure. by Ted and Mary Seenburgen, right? What? <laughs> Ted, Ted, <laughs> Ted dancing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's uh, I guess. What's what's your where, where do you go up in the burbs? Uh, I mean, we I have, talked about Charlie Beinlicks. Charlie Beinlicks is great. Shrimp and cocktail and burgers. Yep, uh, and it's open during the day, which is like the only time I do get out. So okay. I mean, having two young kids, like I don't really get out in the evening that much. Um, you know, I, you know, there's some some cool places up in Highwood. Um, yeah, that, that's where we'd go out in college. Was uh the bars in Highwood because there's nothing in Lake Forest really and uh, yeah. we go to I don't know what's still there is Gabe still there I don't know there's like the wooden nickel been yeah there a few times Teddy O'Brien Teddy Teddy O'Brien's O'Brien's is definitely a, still there. wooden nickel is a great name for a bar it yeah. is I think Gabe's has had had a bowling alley in it maybe it's not called that anymore I don't know I'll look it up or check it out you know yeah take the kids <laughs> put the bumpers <laughs> yeah, in the lanes <laughs> all right uh favorite fast food Jeff's gonna have a good answer I know does it have to be like a chain or can it no, just be like local? Jeff's not going to have a good answer. No, I mean, <laughs> it, could, it could be anything. Anything. I think. Um, so funny. I don't want to. I, I don't think it has to be a drive through. Okay. But, I mean, like, uh, you know, something. Beef count as fast yeah, food? that's. I mean, yeah. it's a great answer. It I mean, does. I think that's more of a hidden. That's not even. The other Johnny's in Arlington Heights. We were just right by it because we went to Santoka. I've never been to that one. That's yeah. right. Um, I, know, I almost. Yeah. Driving by it. I was like, mm, should I do one? <laughs> should two? have bang, bang, yeah. bang, bang. But I mean, for drive through, I mean, like Portillo's has a solid beef. I'll yeah, I just had it for the first time, and it was very good. You dip yeah. in that beef? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jarred? I, I gotta eat it there. Anything that's dipped, it's like you gotta eat right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it disintegrates yeah. in your car. Like let it drip <laughs> on your lap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what is your least favorite food? Mm. At, you know, having a three-year-old at home, I try to like you know that's a conversation almost every night about like um being open-minded to food um and so you know i think a lot of it's like kind of like context you know there may be things i don't care for in certain contexts than others i I don't know i mean i think uh 
scallops might be one. I like, mm, don't, don't love scallops. I didn't. I'll eat them, but it's like yeah. it's not like I'm not gonna like order that. I feel like I have enjoyed them a lot later in life. Yeah. But as a kid, when I'd be like, if I had a scallop, I'd be like, ugh. So I kind of went the other way. Like, like s- I liked them when I was younger, and then mm. the more I ate them, like you know, did my or I, I don't know. And I was like, do like I really a like pan this? roasted? I mean, pan I seared scallop. Yeah, yeah some butter. So simple, so delicious. It's a savory marshmallow. <laughs> I don't. Really, I don't love marshmallows either. Yeah. Oh God. Oh man. I put them on s'mores. Scallops. Yeah. yeah. Scallops. <laughs> s'mores. Yeah. Scallops. Interchangeable. Savory s'more. Yeah. That's actually interesting. And now we're on to something. Oh, <laughs> we are. Graham, ho- hopefully, Graham Dibs. Elliott's not listening. Oh, shoot. <laughs> He's posing for a photo with somebody. All right. Uh, ooh, this is a good one for you. Favorite cocktail? Hmm. Liquid Swords? <laughs> Do you know what's in that? No, I don't remember. It was at the Ace Hotel in, in Manhattan. Was, mm. I don't remember where it was. Um, at the Breslin. Yeah, Jim and I stayed there recently. Oh, no, not the one in... Oh, no, I think it was the one in Manhattan. Yeah. We saw... Um, Michael Shannon oh, cool. was sitting at the bar, and nice. he um, had been overserved. Oh, I, I, Dox him. Yeah. <laughs> he can come on the pod to defend himself. I mean, Liquid Sword's one of the best albums of all time. Right. So good. And a, and a great tie-in for a drink name. Yeah. Um, again, I think it's kind of like set and setting, you know. Um, and also, like, just who's making it. Like, I'd, I'd let Stephen Cole or Wade make me any cocktail yeah Here's a good happy with it. what's it what's the perfect cocktail for recording a podcast what do you what would you be sipping here um, instead of tea <laughs> uh, something that was 100 ounces right something that was um, expired uh i don't know i mean i i, I mean a sazerac that's yeah. not not, ex- not an exciting answer no that's a great answer. okay how about um this time of year it's december 15th when we're recording uh-huh. this it's a Friday evening at home with the family. Mm-hmm. What would you make yourself? Drink wine at home. Yeah, yeah. you can't have high proof stuff. Yeah. High octane is tough. Yeah. When you have, uh, like, if you're watching kids and stuff. Right. And yeah. So I've heard. up at four in the morning, like, by a toddler walking into your room. <laughs> is that, that a good ad hoc question? What's the most egregious wake up from a child you've received? Oh, man. I mean, this week? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, my wife and I went to went to see Andrew Bird this week. Oh, uh, nice. Where is he? His, uh, it, he does his, like, um, winter sort of residency at the Fourth Presbyterian Church, like, on Michigan Avenue. Oh. And uh, it was our first time doing that. And, you know, we'd kind of we'd gone out to Shaw's before that and, you know, had a nice, like, date night. Another Tim favorite. And, yeah, all right. Well, I think Can't I'm going go tonight, actually. Are you? Tim goes on a, like a weekly almost basis. Really? But Lately, he's not I yet have. made it into the lunch club, there. which it's, is uh, one of the accomplishments that Tim has not. Yeah, felt. I don't think we discussed it. it the lunch, there is a lunch club. Have you noticed behind the host stand, it's, there's like names on plaques? Okay. Yeah. And uh, I asked the server how you get on the, you know, how you get in the, they call it the lunch club, I think. Mm-hmm. And he said, you have to eat there twice a week. Okay. But didn't say like for how long. But uh, Nicole once. Alexander, mm-hmm. who also loves Shaw, said mm-hmm. that she asked her server too. And they said, you just have to eat there a lot. Sure. A few. Uh, Are you working on that? Yeah. Tim's I mean, showing I, them credit I do go receipts. there a lot, but I'm not like schmoozing, you know. Yeah. You gotta, I feel like you got to really talk to people. He also wears a disguise every time. So they <laughs> well, never know. He's kind of, this is kind of an interesting story. So there's, uh, there's this guy. Um, he's on a, he, you'd see him on billboards driving south. He's like the guy in the fedora. He's a lawyer. Oh, okay. yeah. I've I'm, seen that. What's his oh, name? Oh, my God. That guy It's like hilarious. Alan something law. Oh, sure. My God. But like you would recognize this guy. So a yeah. few um, <laughs> a few New Year's Eve's ago, we went, we had a big group oh, that, that ate at Shaw's in the dining room. 
I never, I always sit on the bar side. This was like, because we had a larger group, we had to go to the dining room. And, um, one of my best neighbors at sportsman's by the way. Oh. That's great. Anyway, you remember it? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. Parts of it. I think I've done a new year's there too. Yeah. Anyway, so back to the story. So, so we're eating and it's a large group of people. And, um, we look over and, uh, it's the fedora guy. The fedora uh-huh. lawyer is sitting in a booth with two beautiful women, maybe half his age. And I'm like, my stars, that's the guy from the billboard. And everyone's kind of a little, <laughs> kind of starstruck. And, um, and I'm like, I can't believe he's wearing the fedora. I think he, that's of like course. his that's thing. His thing. Yeah. 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 That's his shtick. I know. And then. Just like you with the Whalen hat. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I do wear the Whalen hat a lot or a corduroy hat. Yeah. The yeah. brown corduroy hat's been in the rotation pretty heavy. True. Recently. Yeah. It's, it's one of the two. It depends on the outfit. Anyway, this isn't about me. It's about, um, will you look up his name, please? No way. Come on. All right. Uh, billboard guy. So then Shannon Howard Shaw's like maybe a month ago uh-huh. and we were laughing about how we saw the guy and he had the hat on and who walks by, but the billboard lawyer in his fedora and sits down. So I assume he's in the lunch club. I have to check. Next time yeah. I go, if I go tonight, I'm going to look and see if he's on the board. Oh, yeah. Once Danny finds his name, you'll know. Yeah, I'm literally, what the <laughs> He is findable. I've researched this guy. I'm intrigued. Do you have a fedora? Uh, is it Kenneth J. <laughs> Allen? Yeah, that's it. Kenneth it's J. Allen. Kenneth J. So shout out. Maybe we can get him to be a sponsor. Yeah. Oh my, this guy? Yeah, that's him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, if he's it, willing to. It does kind of look like the hat is photoshopped. Oh my gosh. Or that he has a cone head. And the hat's well, protecting it. Now you're throwing it. shade and I won't, yeah. I won't accept it. That's my, <laughs> that's my Shaw's brethren. I have to protect him at all costs. Yeah. All right. The fedora is medically needed. It's an elaborate balding uh, <laughs> prescription. Okay. Uh, what is one thing that's always in your fridge at home? I mean, again, being having toddlers at home there's a lot of things for the adults for the adults um it's probably something that like i forget that i have and then i go to the store when i like capers or something and i'm like yeah. oh man like just I already the have, same like, thing uh, one and a half jars of capers yeah. in my fridge mine <laughs> is pickled jalapenos i yeah. literally we're always like we're out we need yeah. them <laughs> and then just the other day i threw some stuff out and mm-hmm. there was like a brand new pickled jalapeno so i actually came up with a solution to this when i was in college and it was the idea it was before apps were a thing Mm -hmm. could be an app now but it's like the idea was a website where it monitors you could like upload your receipt the smart fridges oh and it would like monitor your inventory Mm -hmm. so you if you're at the store like "Ah, do i have pickled jalapenos it would tell you what you had and then you could also um it would also use that it would there would be an algorithm to create um recipes it's like yeah. this is what you can make with your inventory this is what you could make if you add this. this is what you can make and maybe that exists now i think the smart fridges it, keep it this is an idea in you 2007 can use, you can even like use chat gpt for that stuff yeah wild oh yeah you can yeah. i've actually used i've made both of you guys completely obsolete by asking chat gpt to make cocktails <laughs> great <laughs> this is what i have in my uh liquor cabinet what can you do i thought you were gonna say use chat gpt to make this whole podcast obsolete <laughs> <laughs> it's just tim talking <laughs> to chat gpt the whole time i bet it generate i can't stand those computer generated voices that are like in reels and stuff and tiktok yeah, yeah. It, it's like the uncanny valley it's a little yeah mm-hmm. not for me all right jeff what's your go-to host gift um I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um Vichy Catalan. Vichy Catalan and Chinese tea. Um sportsman's hats. Yeah. yeah. Um I'm stoked about that hat. I don't I mean I New hat for the rotation. Probably for the most part would you know, go to diversity wine and you know, find something fun there. Yeah. I like buying their like you in the magnums. Club? I'm not. No, you're just a bourbon guy. Well I'm 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 in the city enough. Do they ship? I'm sure. Probably. Yeah. 
I feel like they have a great selection of inexpensive magnums of fun natural yeah. wine. Mm-hmm. Magnums are always great. That's yeah, a fun that's a sweet host gift. gift. Yeah. Like, Next time Whoa. Danny comes right. over, I'm yeah. expecting a magnum of natty wine. Because yeah. there's always kind of like the weird thing when like someone brings a bottle of wine. It's like, is this for me to like hang on to, or is this like right. to, oh, you want me to open now, this right now? Exactly. But like a magnum is like clearly like let's party. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Actually, now I, I thought of a new question because I sat next to Jeff at Danny's wedding. Oh yeah. Oh. At Garfield Park Conservatory, s- eight years ago, uh, seven yeah, years seven, ago. Yeah. So, uh, almost Arth- eight. Arthur yeah, plus nine months. Yeah, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, do you have a go-to wedding gift? I always really struggle. I think I made ties for you. Yeah, you right? did. You made yeah. ties and pocket squares and stuff. Yeah. And then I invoiced you, didn't I? Yeah. But it was three <laughs> no, years I did. later. I, no, I Tim did. was like, gave it, a, he was like interest. Three no, I, I didn't even give it to you. I sent it to collections. Oh my God. Do you have a go-to wedding gift? No, we're like, at I, the, we're at the stage where like our friends are having kids now and not getting married. I haven't been to a wedding in yeah, I mean, for the longest time, time my go-to wedding gift was just cash, and yeah. that's a lame answer. But like, I figured, all right, like everyone, no one's mad at cash. That, no right? way. Yeah. yeah, good answer. All right, uh, back on track. Favorite band or musician? Um, man, that I, I was, the changes a lot, right? Like, you know, you go back and like listen to music you listened to like twenty years ago, and you think, man, like some of it like resonates still, and some of it you're like, it, it's like, interesting. What was I thinking? Yeah, some um, of it really doesn't. But the the one that probably is like I've I've listened to for like my whole life that I still enjoy is Bruce Springsteen. Um, but what I'm I, I think what's most ah ex- oh, man Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um, nice. Really excited about some of like the new kind of like classic country music that's coming out now. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of talking about Waylon Jennings. Yeah. Um, but guys like you know Charlie Crockett or yeah Theo Lawrence or I agree. It's nice to see that genre being executed nicely because mm-hmm. country went real yeah. <laughs> real far in, in the in the wrong direction in my opinion in the wrong direction well and that's but that's kind of funny because like you know with country music that's i think like that cycle has happened a lot where there like it goes in yeah. one direction and then there's like sort of the the pendulum effect of something else you had like outlaw country in the 70s which is sort of like a answer against you know nashville sound stuff and mm-hmm. not to make this a country music podcast but yeah, I don't hate it. I was just out. Yeah. Uh, we were out near Bakersfield in cool. uh, for Thanksgiving at Shannon's cousin's ranch, and um, I'm like, man, I'd love to go to the Crystal Palace where uh, mm-hmm. Buck Owens Lawrence, played. Yeah. I guess the Buckaroos still play there. Cool, but it's like an hour from the ranch, and I couldn't, gotcha. I couldn't get anyone on board to go with me. <laughs> but I would like to check that out at some point. All right, mo- favorite movie, and uh, again, same like where. I think the things that like I would have said a long time ago probably I don't know if they apply but uh, I guess and this is how little I watch movies anymore that are not children's movies um, <laughs> what are the kids into I think elf is on like every day yeah you know, are you introducing house. your kids to the movies you watched as a kid like Sandlot some like I that. tried to introduce Arthur to Sandlot the other day it did, did it not take go well. no. no he's I don't, not old enough yet I don't push it but really? like my, I was seven when I when it came yeah, we were seven six, when it came seven. out I think right yeah I love that about it. what yeah what year did that come out 93, uh, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, my, my daughter got really into Wizard of Oz for a while, which I thought Whoa. was kind of strange. Like, mm. That's a good one, though. Yeah. A I mean, little scary like, at parts. Not the Michael Jackson one? No, not the Wiz. Oz. Or the Wiz? Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, 
I think like recently, did you ever see? Did you see Triangle of Sadness? Yeah, so good. Such a good no. movie. Oh my god, did, you, you would like it. So I think. good. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that I would like. Uh, it. No, no less going that. into it. Like, yeah. don't, okay. Don't read up on it first. All right. I'll watch it tonight at Shaw's. <laughs> with the <laughs> on your cell phone the on the table. Well, yeah, with the lawyer <laughs> yeah. in the background. Alan Law. All right. Try to knock his hat off. See what happens. No way. Yeah. That thing's sewn on. I'm telling you, it's going to be a cone head right now. No way. <laughs> the lawsuit shape. fly out of that so fast. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't fuck with a lawyer. <laughs> All right. Jeff, Just here's a lawsuit underneath that hat. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Just a hand that hands yeah. you summons. Yeah. served. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our last question. That's the hard-hitting one. If you weren't doing this, mm-hmm. what would Jeff be doing? Psychiatrist? No, no, no. I uh you know, if it was, if possible, I mean, I'd, I would love to, you know, anything that involves travel um, yeah. and, you know, it's with a family, that's kind of maybe a loaded answer, but. Um, Are you talking yeah. solo travel? I would, I would travel with my family. Yeah. yeah. That'd be great. What's the. <laughs> He's so funny. He's like solo travel. <laughs> yes. Leaves the family behind, <laughs> never come back. Here's a, here, have you flown with the kids? Um, only the oldest one, not the youngest one. Flight tips? Um, <laughs> Just I, out of curiosity, I think just have up. a like have a bag of like stuff like that they've never seen before. Yeah, like just, you just go to the dollar store or something and like just get something to like kind of keep pulling out novelty items. Um, yeah. yeah, and just to keep them distracted from being yeah. bored. Danny just gives Arthur a Rubik's cube, right? Yeah, yeah. he's just sitting there trying to solve it. <laughs> the boys away. No, the screens are yeah genius. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's once they're. I mean, once your youngest is over too, you're gonna be on easy street. Thanks for letting me know. And it's yeah. g- it's <laughs> games, right? Not no. Movies, they watch like show, like yeah. My kids just will watch like something from beginning to end. Matt Morris's kids, so they live. Shout out to Matt Morris, uh, who's just on Diners, Drivers, and Dives this week, which is oh, cool. cool. Uh, but they he lives down in Mobile, Alabama, and he just got um, he's off the wait list for uh, Cubs season tickets, so oh, we got wow. him this past season. That was so. So funny. he was doing the drive like all the time last summer. It's like sixteen hours. That's insane. And like how and he has a uh, the boys are. So uh, six and four, six and three. Okay. I think. Yeah, the boys are like, we're sick of Joiner's podcast. <laughs> no, seriously, he 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 listens to Joiner's, and the kids are on devices, and they're on their device listening to it just on their headphones. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, but he, I'm like, how do the kids? Are, he's like, he's like, they just have iPads, and they're good for 16 hours. He's it's like, crazy. He's like, yeah. I have to beg them to get out of the car to that's, go to the bathroom. That's wow. like, they do. They break it up. They go like Mobile to Nashville. They spend uh-huh. the night there, and then they drive Nashville to Chicago. And he's like, they're just. I don't hear a word from them the entire yeah. time. Like that's a magical device. It's a miracle. It is. Yeah. Ruby's like that on the plane. When we land, she's like, I don't want to get off. <laughs> not, I keep not, watching not in the middle stuff. of us right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Sweet. We covered everything. Then. We did. And this oh. is the first recording in the new studio. Yeah. So if it sounds terrible, we're really sorry. And if yeah. you can hear the voice of modulation conference below us, we apologize. And if you can hear Tim's anxiety throughout the episode, <laughs> I have been anxious the whole <laughs> time. That was, I've that was the expired water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the side effects alright uh, Jeff thanks for joining us today thank you and that concludes our conversation with Jeff Donahue of Leisure Activities and Heisler Hospitality thanks for listening and here's something new if you've got a question you'd like to contribute to the gratuity round hit us up on social media shoot us a DM sometimes we check uh, <laughs> the what is that folder called yeah, the general, or the general yeah. For yeah, we for I think requests. I check it like once a month maybe, and feel bad that we don't see it frequently. 
But uh, yeah, let us know what you want to hear from people. We like keeping our guests a secret till the episode drops, so they aren't going to be specific to the guest. But if you have something that is interesting, we'll give you a shout out and we'll include it. This episode was produced by Matt Haddock, music by Captain Cuts, and the video work done by Joseph Guzzo III. Thank you for listening to Joiner's Podcast. We'll see you next week.